Welcome to Green Tea, sustainable stories from Bowdoin campus and beyond. A production of the Bowdoin Sustainability Office with your hosts, Marie Caspard and Diego Velasquez. Telling stories about sustainability from the perspective of faculty, staff, students, and Brunswick community members. Charged up, but these batteries ain't meant for mill. China spent, put a pause on a paper deal. With plastics weighing, imports dropping 99%. Waste management isn't making any sense. Yeah, we're making bank at Redemption Center. While my pocket's getting fatter, this keeps staying slender. And I'm twisting dough to be a baker. Pizza box and put me in a pen. If you greasing on that paper, ain't for recycling. Poison plastic mineral, that's that number three. Record scratch, freeze frame, trash that PVC. Not baits, but many tainted bells. Leaking e-waste can't be blowing up the cell. Busting my morality, faith, tart cynical. I'm a recycled pad, but Jews a sick criminal. Don't stay drinking out of plastic bottle. P E T, we're bacteria hostile. Single use, but a simple juice box don't belong in a blue bin. Who thought? Recycle path on the loose. Better recycle, reduce, reuse. If you don't, then get the paper towels. Best stay away from all the showers. Methane leaking from the tanning trash. Taking too much space, gotta bust the stash. Gotta pop an ace, but dodge the case. But if the metal jam, then feel harmonic grace. Right on two knees, build hands up and pray. So you best believe we don't reduce today. Don't excuse abuse. You want a truce? I'll let the man Edmund choose your fate. If it squeezes, it squishes. If it pricks when you push it. If it three, seven, or six. If it grows in the bushes, it probably isn't for converting. You're uncertain? Pick up the phone, pull back the curtains, look at your wrists, look at your watch, open your eyes, what do you see? Bottles flooding all our oceans, metal cans next to trees, waste plants are left like a ghost town, recyclables running free. Triple R, triple debt, cap off forward, shooting jet, styrofoam in at the lips, rabies put away syringe, and I'm making lots of money, but a plastic bag clogs a hinge. Stop the shred of paper, throw your money in a loop, call it a circular economy, resources stay reused. This is a recyclopedia, but it depends on the plant, check your curbside program, what you can and what you can't, and if If you're lost, just refer to this song. If name dropped, standard recycling be wrong. Don't stay slinging on a wire hanger. P.L.E.'s treat this dire manner. Little use when the finger's loose. And bubble wrappers start an eco-bam. Recycle path on the loose. Better recycle, reduce, reuse. If you don't, then get the paper towels. Best stay away from all the showers. Just to let you know... Almost everything is recyclable, although not in the sense you'd expect. See, there are programs around the world that are slept on and specialize what they recycle except. As an environmentalist, you need to really rethink on what you throw in that blue bin. Waste management already has it tough enough, so make the change, start anew, begin. Thank you, and a little eco-main out. That was I'm a Recyclepath a song written, produced, and wrapped in by our guest on the show today. Today, we'll be speaking with Colby Santana, Bowdoin Class of 2023, about sustainability through a different sort of lens this week. Colby is founder and leader of eco-band sensation, The Sustainers. Colby, thanks so much for joining us. That was a lot of fun. Um, We're excited to listen to all of your music. Um, If you want to hear more of it, it's on uh, SoundCloud. You can hear a number of tracks, but if you go to Spotify... Um, they've got their number one hit, No More Fish in the Sea, um, so give it a listen. Uh, can we start off 
uh, giving us a little context. So, who are the sustainers? Um, full names, rap names. How <laughs> and when did you start off? And could you like tell us like the founding story of yeah. how you got this going? Uh, it's not very. It's a very wild one. I'll tell you that. Um, <laughs> I'm Colby. Um, I'm from Maine, and my rap name is Little Eco Maine, but spelled E E K O M A N E um, because it's kind of like Gucci Maine, but also trademark. Um, uh, in the group, there's one other rapper. Uh, his name is Edmund, but Edmund Paquin, but he uh, goes by the rap name Edmund M. Um, and then we have a bunch of like supporting crew that kind of like do a lot of the behind the scenes work. If that's photo editing, um, stage management, um, beat production, that kind of stuff. Um, we have some friends who've popped in on tracks like Juicy G uh, was in our first track, um, Blue Skies. And that's the kind of track that started everything. Um, the story goes back to my junior year in a chemistry class where my school was installing a $14 million performing arts center. Um, <laughs> but there's a lot of debate because the whole athletes versus musicians debate came up. And the athletes wanted a, a turf field and the musicians wanted this PAC. Um, so it caused a lot of like internal debate and uh, tension in the school. And uh, my friends and I, we kind of just wanted to break that apart and relieve a little bit of the tension. Uh, and we noticed when they were building this, they had to cut down a tree. Um, so we were like, that's that's not fair. The PAC should not be uh, deforesting the woods of Maine. Um, <laughs> and this is along the same time we were uh, studying about climate change and uh, sustainability in my geography class. And we went on a trip to a recycling plant in Maine called EcoMaine. And through all this, we decided to make a song, um, kind of like an anthem against construction uh, and to a more green earth overall. Um, but it was also just having fun and kind of goofing around. Nothing serious really expected out of it. So yeah, that's the that's the foundation story. Gotcha. <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah, that's cool. Um, do you like describe your music with like any particular genres? I feel like it's mostly rap, yeah? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it originally uh, was uh, like almost all rap. Like that was our focus because that's the genre I'm most comfortable with, and I write all the songs. Um, so, like as a as a lyricist, I don't really know that much about music theory um, compared to my friend Edmund M, who uh, is like the best drummer in the state of Maine. Um, and he knows everything about music theory, so he could apply those things. But when it came actually to developing the lyrics, I needed uh, something I knew. Um, so I kind of started off only writing hip hop, you know. Um, quirky lines and just like weird flow mix-ups and that kind of stuff. Um, but over time, we noticed that some of my lyrics probably wouldn't be best suited for like the hip-hop format. Um, and that's when we took the chance with No More Fish in the Sea, which is a love song that's more um, melodic, very melodic in, in fact. Um, and seeing the response, we started making songs that shifted more towards the not-so-hip-hop-based. Mm. Yeah. Makes sense. You'll hear uh, No More Fish in the Sea later in the episode. Um, can you tell us a bit about the name, the sustainers, mm -hmm. who, who came up with it? Like, where does that inspiration come from? You know, I wish there was more of, like, this grand story that came with it, but um, after we created our first song, you know, we had to put it on YouTube and Spotify. Not Spotify yet, but SoundCloud. Um, and we needed a group name, um, and there, taking the joke, we wanted it to be as literal as possible. Um, so it's the standards just came about because it's just like it's very blatant. It's there's nothing really specific or <laughs> interesting about it. It's just it's just there. 
and tells you everything about us in one sentence. Not even a sentence, a word, actually. So, yeah. Mm. Yeah. What were your goals in, like, starting the band? I think you talked about this a little bit in the, like, origin story, but, like, why adopt environmentalism specifically? It sounds like you were already interested in music already, and, like, why specifically that? Yeah, so it really started out with the joke per se, but after a while I, I found out that I actually really enjoyed writing these songs about environmentalism. Um, like the first one, I, it's not my most, it's not my proudest work per se. <laughs> um, but, you know, I just had a lot of fun because uh, we were learning about these topics of environmental, like sustainability, the environment. And we were taking a class that had these same values and ideas. Um, and I think it was just natural to combine them. And as time went on, became more serious as we learned about like if you're having to do so much research to write these songs because as surface level as some of the lines seem there was a lot of research <laughs> um, like the song recycle path i had to learn the complexities of recycling which <laughs> you wouldn't think is complex but it's it took me like three days just to do the research for that song um, because it, it's interesting to learn um, the types of plastics and, and how they all play together um, but i just found it fun it was it was a way to write songs and a way to uh, exercise my music ability as much of it as I had. Um, and it gave me a kind of like a concise lens to work through things. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I mean, if you can do something that even slightly makes a change, brings people uh, joy about a topic so depressing as climate change and the climate crisis, um, then you're doing a good service. Um, and we decided that like all the money we would make would not we wouldn't make ba- making profit off of it, but it'd go to like charities relating to the environment in Maine um, and affecting our local community because the environment is a really big player in um, Maine overall. Yeah, yeah, I love that. A lot of the rhetoric around climate change and sustainability is like gloom and dreary. Yeah. So it, it actually goes well yeah. like hand in hand with our show that um, you're band attempts to bring this sort of like positive light and attitude towards mm-hmm. these topics because honestly that's what we need more of <laughs> not not so yeah. much like we're all gonna die in 30 years here's yeah. like you know the ipcc's latest report about how <laughs> you know miami's gonna be un- underwater in so many years but yeah we definitely appreciate that i mean overall like it, it kind of reminds me of like pumped up kicks in the sense that it sounds very happy but if you actually go into some of the lyrics they're not so happy um, like they're, they're making jokes about things, but like that, I think that's a better approach than just slamming people with straight depressing news. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, more specifically, I think about it on our song "Iced Out." Um, it's just specifically about how everything's just going go to go to to a mess and, and everything's going to fall apart. Um, but it's 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 taking it through a more kind of lighthearted lens um, because if you just aware people about issues and, and you play it off as a joke for for some people, that's all they see it as. And you actually inform them about these issues, then they're they're gonna take it in more. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. So, can you talk a little bit more about like your creative process mm-hmm. in going through the lyrics and like how? So you you are the primary person who yeah. writes the lyrics, and then I- how do you associate that with? Like the music behind it. Yeah, so I write all the lyrics, um, so that's why they're not so great. (laughs) (laughs) No, stop. (laughs) But um, usually the creative process involves um, the four of us. At the time that we were going through the majority of our work, it was four of us. It was Edmund M and I, and then we had um, one of my friends named Grady White. He was doing all of our um, photo editing for our Instagram account. Uh, and then Cam Sarkey, who was planning our stage production, uh, because we were holding a concert 
uh, at the end of my senior year. Um, so we would be four of us crammed into my living room watching Planet Earth. <laughs> um, and it would involve me listening to a beat that we got from either a friend or some, some other type of way. Um, and when we got that, it would just be me listening to that repeat, uh, trying to find like quirky names and comical ideas to base songs about. Uh, all of our songs, they're like, they're, they all have a theme. Um, no More Fish in the Sea, it's about declining fish populations, but it's also a love letter to the earth. Uh, like, trying to making the earth as a human being and writing a love song about how we've done her wrong. Mm. Um, it Ain't Easy Being Wheezy is about air pollution. <laughs> um, but since I'm an asthmatic, what happens is midway through the song, I have an asthma attack, and the asthma attack turns into a beat. Um, and I rap over the beat. Um, songs like I'm a Recyclopath is being a psychopath about recycling. Uh-huh. So it's just about finding these quirky ideas and um, developing lyrics after doing a bunch of research um, and then me just rapping aloud to people and then them judging me extensively <laughs> to, <laughs> until we find a more a more polished product that we're appreciative <laughs> and uh, happy about. Yeah. What's the, so what's the process for um, No More Fish in the Sea? Like, could you describe the, the beginning to final product mm. of that song, like the trajectory? Yeah. Um, I think it all started in a physics class, AP physics. Uh, I was struggling because we were learning about torque, and I just couldn't. Um, and I was trying to find out like a track listing for our album, because it originally was going to be an album, not an EP. Uh, we were going to go mainstream and get an album out, but <laughs> that didn't really work out. <laughs> and I was just I was looking for, like, the, like I said, these ideas that I could base a song about. Because it's a lot easier if you have an idea to write your lyrics about them and then make sure you're staying together so you're not just talking about this, this, and that. Um, which you can see like on our earlier songs like Pollution Solution. But um, I came up with the song name, and I was like so excited that I came up with this name, I was telling everybody at my table, and me like, whoa, okay, think about this. And they were all like, okay. And <laughs> I was really running with it, so I ran home that day, and I, I wanted to find something like, I just started writing. Um, and it went through about three months of writing for me to finish No More Fish in the Sea. It was the song I started before um, the end of the year. I dedicated the most time to that song because that's the one that the idea I felt was the strongest and most workable. Um, and it was uh, I, I told it to my friends, uh, the ones who were working on the project, specifically Edmund M, see what he was going to think about like what we could do sonically to make it sound good. Um, and he suggested the different approach of not doing a hip-hop song, but more... Um, you know, he was in Madrigals and a great singer, so he wanted to kind of take a front step on it um, and, like, lead the charge when it comes to creating that song. So I finished the lyrics, and um, to this day, he calls them the weirdest lyrics he's ever sang, <laughs> uh, because it's the song starts off with a guy making out with a dead fish. Um, <laughs> as weird as that sounds, but, I mean, it's it's topical. Um, and, you know, we, we went through it, and it was, ended up being the first song we wrote, I, after three months of extensive edits, I finally came up with a product that I was happy with. And then it was one of those Planet Earth sessions. We, we turned to Blue Planet um, just because we had to make sure that it was on point with what we were working on. Um, and it involved us, like, at 5 p.m., my parents were home, and Edmund just singing out loud these lyrics about fishes and d- death and that kind of stuff. Um, and it, we kind of made fun of it, but it turned out to be the first song we released and the one that most people actually ended up enjoying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Um, 
Speaking of inspiration, um, it seems like your group does a really good job of covering so many different bases, like you as a lyricist, and you've got your music theory person, the drummer. Um, personally, are there any artists that um, you can point to as like inspiration for this type of work, um, whether it be lyrically or like sonically or even just topically, as you suggested earlier? Well, there is. It's actually funny because there was a lot of points where I was like, I wonder if anybody else has done environmental rap, because it just came like an idea that we stumbled upon. But it'd be interesting to see what other people have done. Mm -hmm. So this would involve a lot of our study sessions, just going through a lot of other people's environmental rap. Um, and I'm going to warn you, it's not very good. Uh, <laughs> a lot of it's just like eighth graders doing a project uh, about the environment, and they chose like a creative format and they did rap but it's just like a simple recycling song but you know like if we don't have those simple songs then you can't create anything better mm -hmm. like our first song um blue skies is one of the worst things i've ever written <laughs> um, but i'm very proud of it because of everything it achieved and everything it led to so we were going through and there's actually one quite big relatively uh environmental rapper named mr eco and he has like 500,000 subscribers on YouTube. Uh, he does like educational rap, which is like a type of flow, which is like dun 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 da 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 dun 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 It's very simple, and he goes to concerts at like elementary schools. And one of his favorite, most famous <laughs> songs called "Don't Be a Litter Bug," and that's literally the entire lyrics. Don't be a litter bug, and that's it. Just kids are loving it, right? <laughs> um, so it's not really inspiration-wise off these other rappers, but more just like taking their energy, per right. se. And uh, the, sort of like a baseline. Yeah, because a lot of our stuff, it's not for children. Not because it's not like it's explicit, but it's just like a lot of the themes and, and stuff are just not what interests children. But it takes that, that like, happy, go-do energy that, like, these other environmental rappers have and kind of incorporate it in, like, a new, more, slightly more mature um, medium. Um, there's, like, some other eco-rappers, but a lot of them aren't really... They have, like, one song, and it's, like, more of a slam poetry kind of style. Mm -hmm. um, so I wouldn't really say it's an inspiration because we were trying to do something completely new, um, but we did, like, borrow some of that energy from other people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I guess speaking strictly as an artist, um, what are you listening to right now? Like, what's at the top of your queue? Um, I'm waiting for the weekend's new album. Um, so I just, I'm right now I'm going through the trilogy, um, pretty extensively. Um, you know, I have this playlist with all the rap music I've ever listened to in one big playlist. It's like 3000 songs. Oh my goodness. Um, and I usually listen to that. Um, so the weekend has been pretty prevalent. Um, a little bit of old Gambino, um, uh, especially his 2011 EP and... I've been listening to quite a bit of, uh, like, just random videos on YouTube that, um, it's Russian music that I've been finding because I take this Russian literature class and I've been having to watch a lot of Russian film recently. And I've been f going down the tracks of seeing what Russian people like for music. And it's very interesting, so. <laughs> Do you speak Russian? No, I, I, I want to take some Russian language classes, but I'm just in the lit class right now, okay. so. Uh, I just read the subtitles. Gotcha, um, gotcha. Yeah. And you can hear like the rest of the song or whatever they're listening to without the lyrics, but like read them. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. 
Speaking of inspiration, I was like looking through your SoundCloud, and the um, cover for No More Fish in the Sea is hilarious. <laughs> it's like this baby. So the Nirvana, um, the Nirvana Nevermind cover is like the baby underwater with the dollar bill, and you've replaced it with like your face and plastic <laughs> bag for the water bill, <laughs> um, which is hilarious. And I'm just curious as to like who works on that yeah. and like what are like. Yeah. So they're all based on popular album covers. Mm-hmm. Um, so the No More Fish is Nirvana. The Recycle Path is based off the cover for Crazy um, by Gnarls Barkley. Okay. Um, the <laughs> With the recycling symbol <laughs> thrown in the middle. <laughs> yep. Um, the Pollution Solution one, we had a redo, re- redone one, uh, which was the Yeezus um, album cover with a bicycle tire, but we the one already on SoundCloud had so many views, so we're not just going to take it down to give it a new cover. Um, the It Ain't Easy Being Wheezy takes off of um, Pinata, uh, which is a rap album. The mm. Blue Skies is based off of the Drake um, album with yeah. the cloud in the background. <laughs> and then Iced Out is the... Um, I forget the name of it, but... Sh- Pink Floyd? Yeah, Pink yeah. Floyd album. It's the uh, one. But it's, the, it's inversed. Oh, and it's right. an iceberg in the middle. So they're all incorporating like famous album covers. <laughs> Just it, like It's all about going back to that joke mentality of making people laugh first and then realizing the issues after. Um, and whatever we can do to put on our Instagram to make it poppy and make people click the link in our bio, uh, whatever we can do. Um, all of the photo editing was done by... Um, my friend Grady White, who was one of the four um, in that that Planet Earth session booth that we had, um, and he practically did all the photo editing for Instagram. And our Instagram has a bunch of interesting and quirky and funny pictures that we we took, and just trying to build up our the fa- hoping that people would actually realize that we're serious and come to our concert at the end of the senior year. Um, so. He did all of that. I actually ran the Instagram account, but he did all the photo editing after I told him, uh, I want this or this or that. There's like a picture of Edmund um, with the psycho, the picture from the famous psycho movie uh, in the middle right there um, behind a recycling field. And it's it's because it's Recycle Path and it's the old 1960s movie (laughs) where the guy pretends to be his mother and kills people. (laughs) <laughs> but I'm a big horror geek, so that's the only reason I know that. But like a lot of the photo editing is just for just for giggles. Uh, we made a bunch of posters earlier on um, and hung them around school. One of them was Edmund in the skies uh, around a bunch of stars with the Earth reflected in his sunglasses, holding a, a, a hot dog bun. But inside of it wasn't a uh, sausage; it was a cucumber. <laughs> um, because the original picture had him, he was in Germany, and we posted it, and we got a bunch of people on our Instagram like, that's not vegan, that's not good for the earth, so we were like, okay, let's fix this. Uh, cucumber. That's great. If you want to find more, you can search the sustainers on Instagram, or their official handle is official underscore sustainers. Um, well, that's great. I guess um, most importantly, um, and what you've been getting to throughout this conversation, is advocating for the earth in this particular manner. Um, I guess we're curious to know, like, what you think the effectiveness of music is in creating change, and specific, specifically within the, within the environmental realm. Like, it's a very different take on traditional activism. Yeah. Um, yeah. I guess whatever your thoughts are on that. 
So I've always recognized music as a great avenue for you know social change, um, especially listening to so much hip hop. Like there's so many like infamous, not infamous, but famous hip hop albums that created social change. You just think, um, you know, just historically speaking, and um, like with regards to social justice issues or like race issues. Race issues, because like, that's the major lens that you yeah. see. Yeah. Uh, N.W.A. Of course. Mm-hmm. Um, you see a lot of albums, you know, even Kendrick Lamar's uh, To Pimp a Butterfly, mm-hmm. you know, All Right, All Right is yeah. just a huge yeah, um, an anthem, anthem <laughs> you know, for people of color. And I always, I, you know, if this is the only type of music I listen to, the, you know, I get the impression that that's a really good lens to um, look at social justice issues. Um, the whole goal, I mean, to incorporate environmentalism to it is just because it's such a, a, a modern issue. You know, everybody is talking about climate change. Everybody is, is, cares about it in my generation. You know, if you just go through the Instagrams and the stories, you'll see almost every week there's a new video of somebody uh, putting it on their story of how the Earth's reefs are getting devastated, how if we don't make changes by 2050, major consequences that might be irreversible will happen to our planet. Um, you know, taking, sharing pictures of Greta Thunberg um, if anything, it wasn't to motivate new people because the people who listen to our music, they're not probably going to be, you know, people who don't believe or who aren't, who don't put too much value to the issues of climate change and sustainability because, you know, being through the lens of rap, not many people who usually uh, adhere to those values really listen too much to rap and especially from a bunch of high schoolers. Um, in the middle of Maine. Like it, it, so it's more of just for the people around us to give them an anthem. And hopefully by starting it small and sharing it through the people we know, it can go spread. And then maybe, you know, maybe there's an article written one day. Um, and that's how you inspire change. Just showing that young people do care about these issues, that it's important to us because we'll be going into the generations where these effects actually happen to us and will be hurting and harming us. Mm. So it's about getting awareness however possible. It's not a direct call to people who aren't aware, but rather a means to gather more awareness. Yeah. Mm. Do you see any other parallels in attempting to achieve change through other forms of art other than music? Yeah, I, I, I... I believe that art is a very powerful um, medium in which to inspire change. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people discredit the arts, but I feel like through art gives people a community um, and establishes a community because um, that's that's especially like historically. Like I remember uh, for my social justice warriors in the Americas class, I, I wrote an essay about um, this specific poem, "I'm Joaquin," which is kind of like this this poem. I, I used to do. Um, performance poetry too um, and that's kind of another way that you um, look at art as a medium to um, create change um, and this poem was kind of like this first first work first text to create a, a binding cause for like the the mestizos of Mexico um, and and create this 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 pride and identity and I'd say that that's prevalent in a lot of art and poetry and music, just this ability to create communities, um, something that people can be proud of that's tied to their culture, 
And if you're proud of your community, then you will do all you can to make your community better. And the inverse is true as well. The more you dislike the community, the more you will do to harm your community. Um, and anything to make our community stronger is um, what I'm going to do because I did a lot of social justice work in high school and specifically with youth justice. Um, and a lot of the times these kids who are, you know, often termed as rebellious and doing all these kind of things just because they don't have a great sense of community and they've been directed by their community. Um, so to create those bonds however, however possible if it's through funny music that we can all be like, ha, that was terrible, or ha, that was great, or ha, that was, you know, we in, we were there with you. We enjoy this because it's one of us, and we all helped press this idea of sustainability forward. Um, I think that's, that's just like any other art, mm. to be good in that sense. Yeah. That kind of makes me think of when you were saying earlier that there aren't a lot of, like, environmental musicians. My brain immediately went to, like, eco-poetry, especially since we mm. talked to Gary Lawless kind of recently. Mm -hmm. And I think it's kind of interesting that, like, certain um, art forms, like, tend to pick up certain issues more, like, importantly or, like, to a greater extent than others. Mm. And I'm just curious if you have any thoughts as to, like, why is, like, environmental, quote, environmental music not as much of a thing like yeah. I've also kind of hmm. taken a whirl around um, just like the internet and lo like looked for music with like environmental themes and a lot of the things that I f find are like um, I don't know I'm, yeah. I'm it's I know just not mean. quite as like maybe it's like me because it's not as like emotional I, th I think back to um, little Dickie's earth music video um, which I took I didn't really like at all um, <laughs> because you know I was so happy when I heard a rapper made an environmental song because I was like this was right at the peak of when we were working on our our, our work and I was so excited because it's just like nobody does it because I think specifically in rap I'll, I'll get to the other genres too yeah. but specifically rap you're trying to be quote unquote hard you know like you're trying to be you're trying to be cool you're trying to be um, you know you're trying to you're trying to be hard that's the, the straight up word. And, you know, taking environmental issues, that's just people associate environmental issues with daisies and sunshine and, like, these, these things that are um, almost, you know, below them because that's not mm -hmm. their realm. You know, it's yeah. kind of hard to reach into that realm if you're presenting yourself in this completely different light. Yeah. Um, so when I heard that Little Dicky made an Earth rap song, I went to listen to it and immediately hated it because it didn't actually deal with any of the issues that are facing our earth you know it's great that you know it was raising money for a great cause but with a person in power and that much influence what's to hurt somebody to make an actual good song about the <laughs> earth that will actually be remembered more than you know the the week or two weeks that it was that was people talked about it mm -hmm. like to actually go forward and make that change you could have done so much better work and it probably would have grown bigger than a, a stupid song about how we're Baboons and it's just it's it made me so mad because <laughs> I was so excited and it let me down so hard. Um, but I think just in general, it's it's scary to go into those environmental issues in a lot of realms of music because it's been made such a controversial issue, um, stupidly. But it's been made a, a politicized issue. It's been a, a controversial issue um, because we're scared to accept it. In my opinion. And if you start going into these controversial areas where not everybody is in one decision or not, then you have a chance of losing 
your audience. And that's that's hard for any artist to lose their audience because they start questioning, what am I doing wrong? What can I do better? Um, and that's never good for an artist. So it's scary. Um, but if you, like the sustainers, we based our work in environmental sustainability and that kind of themes, you know, we the audience we pick up, that's that's not going to change if we continue talking about environmental issues. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Yeah. Do you think music accesses like a different audience than other forms of like art or activism would? Hmm. I'd say music is a lot more visible in in when we're when we're taking an art um, because it's so easy to access music. There's so many platforms and so many manners in which we can put on a song. Um, in which we can, you know, watch a music video compared to trying to go to a museum, which has an entry cost or these yeah. kind of things, mm-hmm. or go to mm-hmm. music showings, yeah. that it's it's just you physically have to get up and attend it. Where music is just around us, and it's almost, it's too easy to listen to music. <laughs> um, so that's why we kind of attach ourselves to music, not because... Some part because, you know, we are based in music, our group, you know, people have history with musical production, that kind of stuff. But also because, you know, doing art and doing poetry, it's really hard to get that out to a mainstream audience. Mm -hmm. You know, if we were a slam poetry group, which, ironically, the group was originally a slam poetry group when (laughs) we were back in the early stages, we were going to make a slam poetry performance. Um, But that's quickly shifted into hip-hop. You know... If we were a slam poetry group, the concert that we held wouldn't have had 200 plus attendance, yeah. um, just because you know, it, just people don't seem to care too much about poetry or art in a large sense, which is kind of sad. <laughs> um, but it's just the reality of things because it's so easy. To yeah, get yeah. Music. that's that's sort of yeah. like an instance of knowing your audience, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah, yeah. I definitely find myself like I listen to music literally every day for like. Anytime I'm, like, going somewhere, I'm, like, usually, like, okay, I'm going to listen to some music, like, on my way to a place. Mm-hmm. And I feel like pretty much, like, most people that I know use Spotify or some, yeah. like, streaming services. Um, and at least for me, I find, like, other forms of art a lot more, like, intimidating. Mm. Like, you have to be some level of, like, I don't know, just, like being able to understand poetry is like yeah yeah you know and i know mean? exactly what you mean people have these barriers with art yeah. and poetry like uh whenever we go through poetry units in english class people would be just have this general disdain for poetry yeah. because they see it as this unapproachable art form and people can say the same about art in a sense if you are dealing with abstract art you know the mm-hmm. common statements are oh a child could draw this but it just comes from this inability to connect to these these pieces because they feel like they have to have this alternative education about them and to understand them in reality a lot of these pieces they don't need to be understood they just need to be known of Mm -hmm. you know just Mm -hmm. it's the same idea of music just to have those ideas prevalent you don't really need to understand them but you need to recognize them yeah um so like music is really easy um we'd catch ourselves and our friends just putting on a sustainer song in the car just because you know it's not very abrasive you know you kind of you can just let it pass by you um, and it's kind of like specifically no more fish in the sea. She has this ability to like the waves ushering you in and out. <laughs> you kind of get this this calming sense of it, and 
you're might sometimes not not be realizing what you're listening to, but you're still mm-hmm. listening to it, and those ideas go into your brain. Right. So like it's kind of like hypnosis. But <laughs> <laughs> hypnotize, <laughs> hypnotize people into becoming more. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. There's this. You're speaking about um, accessibility um, to art and music, um, and there's this quote that I love um, speaking specifically about podcasts, but honestly, I think it pertains more to music. It's accessibility should never be based on a listener's income. And that's what came to mind when you said that, like going to a museum or actually physically getting up and doing something, Mm -hmm. there's a much higher bar or barrier to entry rather than like clicking play on your phone or, you know, whatever you have with you. And I think that's, that's definitely a, a massive perk of uh, music and, and this, Mm -hmm. This brand of activism, if you will. Yeah, the sustainers, I mean, we try, uh, to that extent, we try to make as little profit as possible. Um, you know, we started off with all of our songs and music on um, SoundCloud and YouTube, free services. Our t-shirts are in our sweatshirts and all of our, our merch that we sell on Amazon. We don't make any profit off. It's the minimum price that we can get them. Um, because it's just the production cost that Amazon charges us to actually send them out. So, and even in our concerts, it was a free concert. You know, we, the concert that we held at the end of my senior year, it had four groups. It was uh, a staff band called the Faculties, um, another group um, on seniors called Portsmouth, and then this uh, solo singer and guitarist, Morgan Selby. Um, and we held a concert kind of like talking about those ideas of community I was mentioning earlier, um, getting a, a, a greater respect for your community, um, but also making it as accessible as possible. Mm-hmm. Because if you go into an environmental hip-hop group, <laughs> you shouldn't expect to make profit off that. I, in my personal opinion, I don't think we should be making profit off of sustainability. Um, and all the profit that we do should be going towards the cause of being more sustainable and helping those sustainable causes. I mean, it's different from, you know, having to survive off your work versus making profit. You know, as high school students, we all had houses and food on the table every day. <laughs> so there was no need for us to make money off of our work. That It was a service to our community. That's why we did it. Um, and I think that's, that's what's kind of sad. A lot of the things I saw while working on the ES project, or not the ES project, the, the sustainers project, um, kind of like made me really sad about the state of sustainability, especially through the Instagram um, means and social media and the role that social media has. Because um, like a lot of the times we were trying to promote as much stuff as we could about, you know, informing people about sustainability. Uh, historically, our stories were about, um, you know, Amazon tree fires before it was really a big thing and, and that kind of stuff. And then promoting videos that were saying that they'd, for every view, this, this, and that. But a lot of it actually ended up just being big scams that we were falling into. Um, because people tend to try and make, they try to profit and benefit themselves off bad situations. And that really, like, made me sad because we were just trying to do something holistic and people were taking advantage of us as a group. Mm. And it was just, I mean, it, it's good to see, though. You know, it, it, the more you see that, you know, not all sustainability and all people working for sustainability are looking for the same cause. There's people who are actively trying to do good, and there's people who are trying to do good for themselves. Um, so. Hmm. Mm. Yeah. Um, taking this back to Bowdoin, uh 
could you say that your time here has affected um, your music creation process? Like, have you been exposed to new things or new people? Um, and what are what are the the like visions for the future for the sustainers? Yeah. So personally, at Bowdoin, I haven't really done too much work with the sustainers, mostly because I'm really the the, the lone wolf right now. Because <laughs> um, you know my my all my other friends they're 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 living on their lives, and you know I was kind of the person who brought the sustainers together. Um, you know when I, I told my friends that hey I wanted to hold a concert at the end of the year and create an album um, for our senior project, they, a lot of them were very hesitant and they kind of just went with it because they thought it was going to be easy and fun. Um, but by the end of the project, you know their, their perspective changed, and but still, you know they, there's there's less enthusiasm about the actual sustainability parts than there is about the process. Um, so when we're all in our different kind of... Life gets tough, you know? College is not <laughs> easy, as we all know. Um, so, you know, you, you kind of forget about the things that were important before. Um, so I haven't really personally had too much time to work on sustainer stuff. I Usually we work on it at times when we're free. That's during breaks, and because that's when we can take away all the worries of the world and just have some fun. Um, I haven't really met too many people at Bowdoin yet um, who... Everybody's really enthusiastic about the sustainers. That's different. Like, everybody I've talked to about the sustainers are like, wow. Like, um, th I talked about it when I came to Bowdoin um, to the ES table. Uh, I'm an eco-rep, so I talk about it with, you know, Bethany and the head of sustainability and that kind of stuff. I talk When I, people see my sustainers merch that I wear, they always point it out, and they're always wondering what the sustainers are. So there's enthusiasm about it. It's just I haven't personally taken those steps to mm -hmm. to go there because life gets tough. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, yeah. Um, but I, I, we're we're gonna be approaching winter break, which is a lot longer than I expected. So um, <laughs> there's probably gonna be a sustainer song. Uh, we've fiddled with the idea of having a Christmas themed sustainer song uh, for a while because um, there's a whole bunch of possibilities with that. Um, and we're really excited about it. And this might be the winter that it comes out. Uh, make a reemergence because we always do make, make a reemergence. People um, sometimes Edmund is texting me. He's like, "We need to release a sustainer song." And I'm like, "I'm in the middle of finals. I'm in the middle of midterms." He's like, "No, we need to release it now." <laughs> and he he'd randomly come to my house in the middle of the night, being like, "Hey, we need to record sustainers." And I'd be sleeping. And he just <laughs> he just he just uh, yeah. <laughs> so there's a drive um, we just need to tap into it and I'm pretty sure there'll be a future for the sustainers mm. I'm almost sure um, probably every time we get back into it it gets more professional so maybe we'll actually do a good song next time <laughs> <laughs> are there any like it, aside from the Christmas song are there any like issues or topics that you want to focus on in some future songs and does that have anything to do with like now being at Bowdoin it's a good question. Um, I think I've wanted to do a compost song for a while, um, <laughs> especially with my job as an eco-rep. I've had some disgusting encounters with compost. <laughs> um, I've had two jobs um, with compost. The second one was far worse than the worst, but it, it's this is a call-out to all uh, college houses on campus. Uh, recycle effectively, please, and compost better than you recycle. <laughs> um, the first one we cleaned was Reed House, and they um, broke their compost machine first off, and then they continued overfilling it, 
So it was my lovely job, with, along with some other eco reps, to unearth that uncomposted compost and then scoop it out and carry it across campus, killing at least three animals while we drove by because of the smells. Like it was, it was so bad. It was so much compost, and they were composting things that were like there was Domino boxes in there. Um, f- full apples. There was at least 60 apples in the Reed house that weren't even eaten. Um, compost boxes, papers, paper towels, all these things that should not be composted. And I thought that was the worst. But just this past Friday, I had to go to Mayflower Apartments because their compost machine, um, it was getting too cold, it froze, so the compost needed to be cleared out. Um, but they had one of the cone ones, um, so it was bolted to the ground. So instead of using shovels, we had to use our hands to get into there. <laughs> Obviously, we were gloves, but like we were reaching in there, the three of us. That's it was so Holden Turner and Luke Bartle and I, um, and we're just reaching in there with, <laughs> and just grabbing handfuls of disgusting compost. There was rotten eggs and layers of moss, and you know we were so mad at Mayflower Apartment because we still found like coffee cups and stuff like that, like things that have no reason to be. There's trash cans, like. It makes no sense that they're in a compost. And then we're the people who have to go in there and, and get our hands dirty, literally and physically. Um, but I, I think after my traumatic experiences with compost, I'll probably uh, have a, a flight of in- inspiration and yeah. the, write a horror-themed <laughs> in compost song. Okay. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah, plenty of material to work with <laughs> yeah. following that. Uh, earlier this year, I had... I. I thought it was fun, but it's still like, um, Billy Allen and I, we also work for the sustainability office. We dug up a new cone for, mm. um, yeah. Beauty Johnson house. And yeah, it was a wild time. We just literally dug into the biggest hole I've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We had to build or dig a hole for the reed house after there because they're old compost. Mm. And yeah, no, it's an experience. I mean, if you have never worked with compost, you need to, so you can realize <laughs> what you're doing to the f- lovely workers at the sustainability office. <laughs> yeah, they say, they say people should, every person should work in some service industry, profession, yeah. right? Maybe the same goes for compost. <laughs> yeah, I don't no. understand like, where your waste goes yeah. to. Yeah. 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 Well, cool. Um, Colby, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Uh, this was an absolute blast. Uh, be sure to check out the sustainers. We've got one more song for you. Um, you can find the sustainers on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Spotify. Search them up. This is No More Fish in the Sea. Got me kissing dead fish by the sea. Bacterial lips, no ecstasy. Salmon said she's not heavy metal Expected fish and chips got mercury Scombroid felon and I'm seasick Needing a break from these fish sticks I'm Freud dreaming all about you These bottom feeders just a fake fix Gaia the girl with the coral necklace No Diego Rivera but left me breathless From orange rock to pearly white 2005 worse than 20 combined Now lifeless gray in a Christian grave Bought 50 shades to high teary waves Tombstone with birthday engraved April 22nd not MGK Friends called you mother But they treated you like dirt Packed up my lover Filled a hearse with the earth 
She's long gone, I'm all alone, stranded by the sea. Not feeling very right, no more fish left for me. Wasn't always loyal, had clams in the trap. A hundred dozen snacks crammed in my shack. Plunder royal pearls, what you're with a mask. Cultureless one drum take off in the back. Hunting so fast, can't repopulate. 2048, nothing to compensate. Just complicate, cause of the confiscate. Not realizing no need for an alternate. Was aggressive, commercial, and oppressive. Fishing line snap under all that tension. Buckle with Davy Jones, now you're trapped. Maybe brown gray, fit with bone jam fat. We're watching sushi dates in the boat rides, floating ways. Sound smoothie in the hot sides, change the ways, redirect the ways to stop the pain of the future days. Was a plastic bag around your neck? Dump my sorrow in a trashy bottle. Gone because I wouldn't ever protect. Now my love will never bobble. Friends called you mother, but they treated you like dirt. Packed up my lover, filled a hearse with the earth. She's long gone, I'm all alone, stranded by the sea. Not feeling very right, no more fish left for me. Green Tea will be taking a break until the last week in January when Marie and I return to Brunswick. But in the meantime, we've got plenty of content to keep you thinking about sustainability over the holidays. Head over to the sustainability website at bowden.edu sustainability under the Green Tea tab, where you can find previous episodes, each featuring live interviews with Brunswick and Bowden community members. You can also find show notes and photos from our interviewees. If you'd like to share any stories or thoughts, we'd love to hear from you please email me, Marie, at mscaspar at bowden.edu. That's m-s-c-a-s-p-a-r at bowden.edu. It's been a wonderful first season, and we cannot wait to get back for season two. See you next semester, and as always, thanks, thanks for, for listening. listening.